Welcome into this edition of the Provcast. My name is Brendan Tanamachi. And I'm Court Marley. And we are your hosts tonight as we talk about the vision and the mission of Providence Community Church. And we are joined by Ty Gaston. Howdy. And Eric Ripley. Hello. And we're excited for tonight. Um, we got lots of questions, lots of things to talk about. But I'm going to start right off the bat with a question for Court Marley. Uh, and that is, what is the mission and the vision of Providence Community Church? So we say almost every week, uh, actually every week at gathering, almost every week in all of our other events, that we are formed around a single and compelling vision to make the gospel unignorable. And that can sound really rehearsed and uh, it can sound kind of canned, but really it was born out of a couple of things. One being very obvious, which is that we're passionate about the gospel. And in particular, uh, when we planted Providence, we, we talking in our early days in our prayer meetings in our house and with other families, uh, Brendan and I talking about it pretty regularly. Uh, we both grew up in the area and not just cause we're in the Bible belt that might play into it, <laughs> but uh, also just our own experience was that the gospel was assumed uh, what the gospel is and uh, exactly what people are, what pastors are called to preach, what worship leaders are called to be singing about and so we wanted to, to believe and trust that the gospel was Romans 1.16, uh, the power of God into salvation, and that it was enough, it was sufficient, that we didn't have to add any gimmicks to it, that uh, the gospel was more than just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, it's more than uh, try harder, do better, it's, it's, such, it's good news, so it's way better news than good advice, um, it's way better news than we had to find our way to God, it's the, it's the good news that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done for us to be welcomed back into the Father's arms mm-hmm. and to have eternal life. And so first and foremost, the Providence's vision is that we would uh, be centered on the gospel. And then the word unignorability was a made up word. Uh, and really I got that from Ray Ortland. Um, and Ray Ortland's a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, and he talked about gospel non-ignorability. So that's probably the actual word with the hyphen. Mix that one up a little bit. but. Uh, Anyway, we used unignorable, and he basically talked about how in Nashville um, there was a threshold of not ignorability. And he said, in Nashville, there are a lot of things that can be ignored, uh, but like the Tennessee Titans can't be ignored. Uh, country music can't be ignored. Vanderbilt University can't be ignored in Nashville. Like, even if you don't, even if you're not a Vandy fan, you have to know that Vanderbilt exists. Like, even if you're not a Titans fan, uh, which is a sore spot for us in Houston because they left us. But even if you're not a Titans fan, you know that they exist. So you, you kind of you got to have that in the back of your mind. And so Ray talked about his vision for Emmanuel being that the church would be kind of this organic, not big event strategy, uh, whether it be small churches or medium churches or large churches that were planted from Emmanuel, that the clear message of God's grace, a culture of God's grace um, he used the gospel plus safety plus time in the church. Like the, the gospel was preached. It was a safe place for sinners. And we gave enough time for God to do the majestic work of sanctification that those kind of churches would ultimately rise above that threshold of not ignorability. And so that just resonated with me, um, resonated with our team. And we embraced that. So our vision was, can we live our lives in such a way and preach the gospel and do gospel ministry in such a way that ultimately not providence, but the gospel would rise over that threshold of ignorability in our community. And then to try to join other, um, I think it's important to mention this. We don't think we're the only ones doing it. So like join Mm -hmm. others that are doing that kind of work too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think that, I mean, that really permeates down to every single thing that we do. I mean, even down to the kids' ministry where we, you know, we don't just have lessons on Sunday, but yeah. we teach the kids the gospel. In fact, we finish every single day with the gospel gyms. Yeah. Uh, with the students, we don't just have activities or videos or uh, food, even though we do all those things. Yeah. Uh, but we teach uh, primarily the gospel. Uh, we go to summer camp, we do all those things, but it is primarily about the gospel. Yeah. And all those things are good things, you know. It's just about what's what you're, where you're centered. Yeah. And we wanted to be centered on the gospel, and um, and so you kind of catch that that drift. Hopefully, I mean, even with you, Brendan, and uh, songs that you choose. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about this ad nauseum, but like songs you choose for Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this this is such a broad thing because when you talk about songs or we talk about liturgical elements of your of your gathering or even of your home groups, there's so many options. Um, and we have a, a wide breadth of uh, preference and even at some level theology and a mm-hmm. church background in our church. And so we try to find the best gospel-centered elements or songs or things like that that can reach all the different people, from yeah. the intellectuals to those who don't like to talk, the extroverts, the introverts, you name it. Mm-hmm. How can we find the elements of the church that surround the gospel and also uh, speak to all those people, which actually kind of leads me uh, to another point here. And I guess I'll ask this question to you, Ty, and you, Eric. Um, Court kind of mentioned it, and Ty, you got into it, but I'd love to hear um, at a little more depth because you said the term gospel gems, which I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But um, how does this mission, this vision of making the gospel unignorable in our city, uh, affect the things that we do or the decisions we make at Providence? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, just to really touch really quickly on the Gospel Gym. So, the idea is that even when we are teaching out of the Old Testament or the New Testament, it all points back to Christ. Uh, every narrative, you know, sometimes we use the Jesus Storybook Bible, and the narrative behind that is every story whispers his name. Hmm. And so, that's kind of what we're getting at. And uh, the curriculum that we use with Liveway, they, uh, they provide Gospel Gems that that accompany every single lesson that we do. And that's, I mean, that's down from like the little lambs, which is, you know, the uh, two to three year olds, uh, the three, yeah, the three, uh, yeah, actually two to three year olds. And then all the way down to the, uh, to the baby bees, which is zero to two, even they are getting sung gospel centered songs and taught gospel centered gems that they can hopefully the day that they were, are able to remember all this repeat back over and over to themselves. So, and uh, and yeah, so that what this does for us though is it it makes us say no to a lot of things. So we say no to some really good ideas, especially for the student ministry and uh, in the kids ministry, where they're not bad, but they don't accomplish our mission of making the gospel unignorable in our city in the way that we uh, that we have felt led to do. So. Um, and, and the, the real purpose of that is so that we can um, make sure that the gospel is central. So we say no to different programs. We say no to different, um, even some church camp ideas that are given to us for kids ministry and student ministry. We say no to them because they take away from the gospel message and they, um, they highlight really behavior modification, which is almost anti-gospel in so, some ways. So what would you say, because you hear this a lot, uh, new guest at our church says, man, it looks like you guys have a pretty bare bones children's ministry. Yeah. But there are several churches down the road that they're equipped with all these playgrounds and, and different things that my 
my kid just loves, and, and I'm not too sure about Providence's kid ministry. It doesn't look like there's a lot going on. What would you say to a new guest? I would say that, yes, we do lack some of the um, extracurricular activities. Yes, we do. But the one thing that they are getting is the most important thing in the world, hmm. and that's the gospel. Um, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will be okay. Um, yes, they may not slide down a slide, but they will get Jesus. So you also, just to continue to expound, because the topic of kids' ministry can go on forever. Yeah. We can do yeah. a whole separate podcast yeah. on that. But We all got kids, so yeah. we get it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, you put an emphasis on partnering with parents. Yeah. Right? So we don't refer to our children's ministry as Sunday school, mm-hmm. um, which is, I grew up with Sunday school. I think we all grew up with Sunday school. Yeah, for sure. I didn't grow up in any church, so. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on the streets, like Mowgli. <laughs> Makes sense. The hood of humble. Yeah. So... How are we as a church uh, partnering with parents? And I guess uh, just to further explain, what's the purpose of that? So the idea is that the Bible talks about the primary disciples of children being the parents, uh, not uh, anyone outside of that. Now, I will say, though, that where the situation is not ideal, so whether you're missing a parent or have no parents at all, I would say that the church was created for that. That that's where the church steps in and fills a non-ideal situation. But where you have two parents that are uh, believers, the idea is that we would come alongside them and help supplement them, equip them, give them tools to be able to uh, make the gospel unignorable in their own children's lives. Hmm. Uh, when you look at Deuteronomy 6, uh, the Shema, that is given to parents to disciple their children. And so what we want to do is we want to come alongside them, maybe encourage parents that are exhausted, maybe encourage parents that don't know what to do, uh, because I I've, I have found that most parents that don't disciple their children, and most of the time it's not intentionally, uh, the primary case is that they just don't have the tools to know what to do. They don't know how to do it. It's such a big topic, yeah. and there's a lot of weight to it. I mean, you're talking about you you wanting the gospel story to continue on past your life, into your children's life, mm. something that's out of your control, my control, everyone's control and so the hope is that we would if nothing else provide kindling around the heart of that child that the spirit might light Mm. that's the heart yeah you were talking Ty uh, and obviously we could talk about this forever but you know the role of family in the Bible seems to be significant from the jump right and Mm -hmm. we'll probably get into some of this in some of the podcasts to come but um Genesis, you know, it starts off with the family. Right. And that kind of continues on with Deuteronomy. And then you, you get all of the, uh, even in Genesis 12, you get Abraham's blessing is that all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Mm-hmm. So God tend, tends to focus there and that those families make up nations and those nations, you know, on and on we could go. So you, we were talking, uh, I don't remember, maybe, maybe a couple weeks ago, just some of the ways in which you engage with your kids. Yeah. Um, because you said, you know, sometimes we don't feel like I have the tools. Yeah. And I also think that sometimes people feel as though you have to be professional. Mm-hmm. Like, like sure. of course you do that, Ty, because you're, you know, you sure. got the pastoral role. You know, you got the, you're a staff member at a church. Of course you disciple your kids. Maybe, do you have any examples of just like ordinary everyday life in the Gaston home where it's imperfect and you're just, just trying to love your son, trying to love your daughter and just point to them to the gospel in a way that isn't, you know, cheesy canned yeah exactly like sure. let me give you a gospel gym caleb you sure know. well and sure 
I think um, we don't use that language. Okay. Okay. I was um, make, I was just making that. You know. Sure. Fair assuming. enough. I was just uh, saying. I think sometimes people would think that that that's that's what you do. You know. Right. Yeah. Because I'm a professional Christian. Yeah. Sure. So of course you're gonna let me let's talk about sit on my knee here. Right. Right. Gospel. Let Pastor Dad talk. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I think one of the first things that we do uh, that Megan and I both do is we let our children know that we're sinners. That's the first thing. Uh, so that way they don't they don't feel like they're always being harped on, but they know that mommy and daddy make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And so when we sin, whether it's um, against them or against one another, um, there have been countless times where like I'm taking Caleb to school in the morning and um, you know the morning just didn't go well, yeah. whether it was with me and Caleb or me and Lauren or me and Megan. Um, that's probably not good English. <laughs> um, but anyways... Uh, I'll look at Caleb and I'll say right before I drop him off and I'll, I'll say, buddy, daddy didn't act like Jesus there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry for that. Will you please forgive me? And then we'll, we'll take some time and, and we'll pray. And real quick, real quick, Jesus, thank you for uh, forgiving us our sins. Um, we are grateful that we're not, uh, that you took the punishment for our sins, that we're not judged by that today. And uh, we just ask that you would empower us with your spirit to live the rest of the day. Uh, that's one example. Another example that's, um, at least relevant for my son, Caleb. Uh, like I mentioned, I drop him off at school every morning. And, and one thing that I, that we always tell him is, uh, we tell him, Hey buddy, we want you to be three things. We want you to be a leader. We want you to be a light and we want you to be loving. Hmm. And we tell him, we want you to be a leader in your classroom, be obedient, listen to the teacher. You don't have to do what other kids do. Other kids may, uh, throw things, play, play rough, dis- be disobedient, do what they want to do. But be a leader and follow the rules. Hmm. Uh, and then we'll say, be a light. Uh, that you're not just there randomly, but you're there to be a light in a dark world. Yeah. You're, you're there to share the message of the gospel. And uh, you're there to be loving. And so you're there to care for people. You're there to take up for the weak. You're there to um, to really love on those that you never know what's going on in their home. Yeah. So, I mean, he's six. And uh, at this point, as far as I know, he's not saved. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I I want to really ingrain those in him. Yeah. You That's talk good. about commissioning your son to be a light to people, and so I'll transition to you, Eric, as we talk about some of our missional efforts. Um, and the same question for you. Um, so, as in outreach and mission uh, in the areas that you help oversee, how does the vision of making the gospel unignorable def- affect the decisions that we make as a church in that area? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, for example, there's a lot of people in our congregation that do a lot of different things. That's good for our community. That's a way to reach out and share the gospel. Um, but, you know, for us, and, and you probably got this theme, and we may talk about it more, but but one of the things that we set out to do as Providence is to be simply built. And what yeah. we mean by that is we don't want to be confusing. We don't want to have too many things uh, on our plate that we can't juggle and then drop the ball in areas, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be reproducible. So I also want to be simple. So when we plant churches, which is one of our biggest passions, we want to make sure that that's able to be reproduced in, yeah. in a way that's that's easy, that's smooth, uh, and, and that could be continually reproduced down the road. Yeah. Uh, and so for us, it's we're not saying, no, you can't do something if you come with a ministry idea. We're just saying we're not going to necessarily sanction that as a providence official thing but by all means please do it any way we can help we love to back you behind that but we yeah. can't make that a part of our structure for the sake of of being simple and so we've had to tell people no for things um 
but it's just a way to keep that so that we can um, oversee it well, be good stewards. Uh, but at the same time, we want people to feel free and commissioned to, to do gospel ministry in any way they see fit and can. Yeah, a tangible example. And if if this is you listening and you've done this, I'm not. This is not calling anybody uh, out. But come yeah, on, after you. Well, you're probably not. What's their name? If you have to say that, you are doing <laughs> it. It's Tell true. Us your names. So some people will come up to you sometimes or to some of our staff um, and, and say, hey, can we get this announced from the yeah. stage? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times we just have to say, hey, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, can you just kind of relate that as to why we will say that sometimes? Yeah. So that, that's a thing, too, is, you know, we uh, want to and, and feel the need to as much as we can help our people get involved with things. And there's always going to be needs. There's always things that need to be announced. There's always uh, problems that we can help solve in the community. But we don't want to overexhaust our people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is not that our people should always be tired of doing good things, but, but rather, you know, we, we want to make sure that we can offer the things that uh, will be most helpful for our congregation to get involved in. Uh, and also, it just, it's easy. I mean, if you're getting asked to give for tons of stuff and you're getting asked to serve every single weekend, you can never uh, maybe spend time with your family. You always feel guilty, right, uh, mm-hmm. for not being able to be involved into things to a certain degree. And we just don't want to create that environment. Uh, and so for us, like, like I said, anytime there's a need in front of us, we want to do our best to do whatever we can uh, to make that need. Uh, but the issue is, once again, it's just well, we need to be simple uh, if we want to really uh, make the gospel unignorable. You know, there's got to be a simplicity because um, if we're always having our people do something that involves being at the church, and this may go into an, another question later on, but uh, basically you're never really able to be in the community spending time with non-believers and, yeah. and being a good neighbor, for yes. example. You know, yeah. uh, and, and we need that to be something we do uh, to make the gospel unignorable. I'm sure we'll get into that later, but that's an example. Yeah, well, I think that, that plays into like programs. You know, uh, programs can be really helpful only in so much as they actually encourage gospel relationships. Right. You know, some you mentioned it, Ty. Some programs can be focused on behavioral modification. I also think some programs can be focused on uh, time frames. And if you've lived as a Christian for any length of time, you recognize that God doesn't work on our time frame. So if you say something like we're going to have a six week discipleship course, you know, you're a disciple when you get out of it. Yeah. I think mission sometimes works in that way in that um, it, if we say we're going to have, you know, 17 different programs that we're doing, you know, missionally, what it ignores is the ordinary everyday life of the Christian to be on mission in yeah. the relationships that God has given them. And so it's kind of like that, uh, I've heard analogies and stories given a million times about this, but you know, like the, the story of the good Samaritan as the, the priest and the Levite are on their way to do mission. Mm-hmm. They're on their way to do good gospel ministry. And so they can't get caught up with the guy beat up on the side of the road. Right. Um, and, and, and so they pass by because why? Because it would have been inconvenient because of all of the, the you know, the, the temple programs in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form that they're involved in. Like, I'm like, I can't be ritualistically unclean. I got to get there. I got to do what I need to do. And so we're really careful to try to tow that something fell down There's here. a ghost in the house. Yeah. To uh, to try and help our people by providing opportunities without those opportunities being uh, basically stumbling blocks for everyday mission. Yes. Um, and, and I know that, that that may sound counterintuitive, but uh, I think all of us at this table and also, again, coming back to our church experience, just maybe this is in our context, you know, programs are a main thing. And yeah. so because when programs become a main thing in the church and there's so many of them, 
it can be really easy to be engaged in them. And, and here's the thing. Many of them are really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, the gospel being made unignorable means that you actually have to be engaged in the lives of non-believers. You have to be engaged in the lives of those who, who don't know Jesus, who are far from Jesus, or who are de-churched. They've been turned off from Jesus in some way or his church. Yes. And that only happens when you have margin in your life. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the model that, that Jesus took you know, uh, with, with mission. And, and obviously Jesus did preach to crowds and there was healings going on, but, uh, by and large the the snapshots you see of him in the gospels are him sitting down at a dinner table with people. You wouldn't let your kids 20 feet, you know, uh, from right. So it's kind of like, uh, Jesus is using that, uh, he's, he's doing mission like that. Yeah. And that's the example that he gives us is to, to be involved. And we have no margin. Uh, we can't know our neighbors like that and the people in our community. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, like you said, Court, this doesn't mean that those churches out there that choose to do programs, they are not bad churches. Not at all. Yeah. And, and those programs are good, and they, I'm sure they do good gospel work. Uh, but really what we're saying is at Providence, the reason why we don't is because that take takes away from the, uh, like you said, the ordinary, the mundane. Like it, if you highlight a, let's say, homeless ministry, then that that makes lower the Starbucks barista that just served you you know, a cup of coffee. Right. They may be struggling. They may they mm-hmm. may not be a believer. You know, it makes that person not important because you got to get your coffee to go minister to the homeless. Yeah, and you don't realize that it's unimportant. It just right. it just it naturally happens because we are humans with limitations, with only limited amounts of time, only limited amount of amount of attention and energy. So naturally, if you don't have, if you got to be here, you can't be there. Right. <laughs> you know, right. and uh, so it is a it's a fine line to walk because, you, like Eric said, you you know, the goal is how do you empower. Christians to be Christians, mm-hmm. you know, using the example with Caleb, it's, you know, light givers. How do you empower them to go give light? Right. Um, and on the flip side, like as a church, how do we stay simple and also approach our lives in such a way that we know we need margin for the supernatural to happen in the ordinary? Yes. So let's talk about a topic that has been, uh, I don't want to say controversial because I don't know if that's the, the correct term, but let's talk about multiplication. Mm-hmm. So as a Hot church, <laughs> as a church, we, we kind of have a philosophy that we're never wanting to be a mega church. Yeah, we are part of Acts twenty nine, the Acts twenty nine network, uh, which exists to plant churches, to build churches, to plant more churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, functionally, as a church, we are not only trying to ch- plant churches, but we are also trying to multiply home groups. Um, so. How does the vision of making the gospel unignorable drive those things? Mm-hmm. Is this for me? Yeah. Well, so I think you have to start probably in Acts. I think that's that's probably a good place to start is to say that the very first thing that happens once the gospel goes forward in Acts 2 after the day of Pentecost is churches start to get planted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will say that seven years into planting Providence, there are some deficiencies I've recognized even in my own leadership and things I didn't recognize were important. Uh, to lead through and one of those would be uh, pastoring people through endings and beginnings Mm -hmm. so I think when you're a church planner you just focus on beginnings you're like something's got to be born the thing that has to be born is the church and we're going to see that thing be born and we're going to watch it grow and it's going to be beautiful but just like having children you start recognizing milestones and there's like a rejoicing and a a weeping that comes with those milestones it's like when your child starts 
to, we were talking about it on the way up here, not correcting your kids whenever they say words that are, you know, inappropriately pronounced, (laughs) you know, uh, right before we started this podcast, you know, Jonas is when he sees someone that's hurt, he says that that's their ouch we. And I don't, I don't, I don't correct him for saying ouchie because I know that once he starts saying they're hurt or they're wounded, (laughs) that'll be good because he's maturing and I'll get to celebrate that. It's also sad that he'll never say ouch we again. Yes. And as, as a church, I didn't recognize as a young pastor that we needed to give some space for the grieving of the gospel goodbyes that would have to happen Mm -hmm. as home groups multiply. Yeah. Um, you know, recognizing that relationships would change and that that would hurt. Mm-hmm. That as we push people together further and more, uh, they would actually start to love each other, and then it would hurt whenever you said, "And we're going to go reach more people." Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't just, I just didn't see it, and I didn't see it because I was so, and I still am so compelled by the vision of multiplication in the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. It's like who isn't compelled by the gospel going forward and thousands being saved, right? Yeah. And more people and more people being saved and Paul going into Corinth and there's so many people being saved that there's a riot and the world is being turned upside down by the gospel. You know, everybody's excited about that, but there's another side, which is that it, it stings. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you also get Acts 20 where Paul is weeping with the Ephesian elders as he tells them that he won't see them again. Right. He's been there for three years. They're crying, basically don't want him to leave. And he says, I got to go because I have to preach the gospel where it hasn't been named yet. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see this commitment, like being gospel centered means that we are radically committed to the gospel moving forward, even when it stings. Right. Yes. Uh, because we, we see that by taking that sting, by, by embracing in some ways the, the goodbye, the ending, we're also saying hello to the, the, the new beginning for others. Mm. Yep. So, so it's, you know, seeing that full table at your home group, right? And everybody's around it and you're remembering, you know, these marriages that have been reconciled, these relationships that have seen fruit, this person who came to know Christ who didn't, and and then saying those prayers, knowing that we're going to multiply next trimester, and I won't see them as much. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And what we have to remind ourselves of is what we're doing is we're making space at the table for yeah. this next couple to come in. Yes. Yeah. We're making space at the table for that other, you know neighbor that doesn't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. And so we're embracing life for for the sake also over on this side of, of acknowledging we're going to have to have a little bit of death. And so to be gospel-centered, to answer your question, is to be about multiplication. It just also means that we got to be able to say some gospel goodbyes. Yeah. So if you could give one encouragement to the person who's struggling through their home group multiplication right now, I as as all of us at one point at this table have led home groups. And um, uh, as someone who's currently leading home groups, there's been multiple conversations over the years, uh, particularly in the form and fashion of someone saying things like, uh, you know, it, it can be very burdensome to know that I'm going to get close to someone or be vulnerable just to say a gospel goodbye. Mm. Um, do you have any encouragement for that person? Yeah, I'll have two. One is lean into the Lord Jesus on the night of his crucifixion. Hmm. As he tells his disciples, whom he had walked with for three and a half years, he loved them so dearly. Read John 17, and you'll know how much he loves these guys. And he's taking the communion with them for the, you know, the very first communion. As he says, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. 
and he's giving them a gospel goodbye because he's telling them, I won't taste this again until, I won't taste the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom comes. Hmm. Um, and we know that Jesus is obviously going to be crucified. He's going to be resurrected. He'll see them, but but you think about the ascension of Christ and he's not going to be returning again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say leaning into Christ and learning to lament, it's okay for it to hurt. That would be my first encouragement. Yeah. It's okay. It's not okay to hurt alone right? and to not lean into Jesus and others for comfort and for encouragement. Yeah. When we take, what happens is when we try to internalize and absorb hurt as though we're better than Jesus was. Right. We're stronger than Jesus was. You know, Jesus regularly went to the Father and brought his pain. You see the Garden of Gethsemane where he just admits that he wants this cup to pass. Mm-hmm. And we think we're, we're stronger somehow. We don't have to admit that. And yet our behaviors all regularly are, are saying otherwise. That would be my first encouragement. My second one would be really lean into the joy of salvation. The joy of what it means to be a welcomer. Mm. You know, it's not it's not sacrifice to no end. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we get into this mentality of, well, the only reason that we're multiplying a home group is because the church wants to be this massive entity. You know, yeah, and that's just the exact opposite of why we planted Providence. You know, who really cares about our numbers in the end, unless those numbers represent people that will be seated around the marriage supper of the Lamb's mm-hmm. table. Yeah. Amen. So yeah. it's it's leaning into that joy when you think, you know what, we're making this very real, but in relation, small sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Paul said it like this, it's an eternal weight of glory that we get, but it's only a slight momentary affliction that we have to bear. Yeah. So it's a slight momentary affliction to multiply a home group if you can look across that table and see someone who went from death to life. Yeah. Mm, amen. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, I would also say pay attention to Paul's language in almost every single one of his epistles to the churches. Um, not every single one, but almost every single one. He's sending somebody to a church. Yeah. And he reveres these people, calls them great brothers, calls them encouragements, calls them um, bearers of the gospel to you. Yeah. And, even, and if he's not sending people, then he's talking about the hope and prayer that he has to leave the current church or place that he's at to go see others. Yeah. And so the, the idea is that like in the sending, there is joy. Yes. Yeah. And then not to mention too, that, uh, you know, one, I think if, if you're kind of splitting up, it doesn't mean you can't see the person, right. You still have a relationship yeah. with them to some degree, but mm-hmm. also even if it was something more extreme, like a church planner that was moving to a foreign country, uh, all goodbyes, uh, believer to believer are temporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's it's hard to see that sometimes on this life, but they are ultimately temporary. We will be uh, united. That's important to consider as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll pick on you, Eric, just for a second, even though I know I you like didn't it. mean to say this, but oh, you oh, man. you said the word splitting up, um, which oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, <laughs> that's what it feels like. Okay, it's it pain. I'm actually involved. Lot, I'm actually leaving Brendan's home group right now. Yes, we're so yes. breaking up. The Ripleys, Eric it's and tough. his wife, just left our home group with some other another couple, and they're. Starting a new home group, which has been uh, joyful but painful at the same time. But we uh, we try our best to use the word multiplication mm-hmm. because even though it does feel at some level like a split, we we try to remember the joy, yes. as you guys just said, and knowing that uh, in the same way that Christ and the Holy Spirit use these people to minister in our lives, we're sending them to do the same thing for a new, fresh group of people, just like you said, making room at the table court. Um, well, I mean, Brittany, you've multiplied probably more than all of us. Uh, <laughs> your your home group. How do you 
feel as though do you, do you ever feel like you've had a, a good or a bad or or do you feel like it's always pretty much hard it's always hard at some level uh i think i literally said it never gets easier uh the yeah. last home group we had because we we prayed over the apprentice couple uh who are two of just the most sweet and kind and gifted people that i've had the the joy to to serve with um so I've done different types of multiplications. I've done um, a handoff when my wife and I took a season of rest, mm-hmm. and then we've done several uh, just multiplications. And I think that it has only gotten more difficult as time has gone on because you learn from your mistakes in the past, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and you try to better equip people as they are sent out. And mm-hmm. so in order to equip them, you have to spend a lot more time with them. Yeah. Um, and you realize, uh, particularly in this season, uh, we felt like this was one of the most beneficial home groups just because uh, there was a lot of mutual discipleship. So you had different couples kind of just pitching in towards one another. Yeah. Um, and that was very special to us. And so to know that Eric and Chelsea and our other apprentice couple are, are leaving, uh, knowing that we still have some amazing people that we're really excited to, to get to know even more and to welcome new people, we know that we're, uh, we're sending out four of um, for really special people. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not easy. It's never easy. Uh, and truth be told, I don't know if it will ever get easy. Yeah. But there's a huge joy in it because yeah. particularly with this multiplication, it's the first time uh, in our years of home group that we didn't multiply because of size. Right. We actually proactively multiplied for mission's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt that there was a neighborhood that was kind of untapped with home groups mm-hmm. and our apprentice couple lived there. So we said, hey, let's, let's get this party started and, and we'll do that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the ways that we try to make the gospel unignorable in our city is multiplying home groups. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to know um, some specific things right now in 2020. What are we doing as a church to make the gospel unignorable in our city? Why don't you take that one or somebody else can take it? I mean, anyone uh, you can take it. Yeah, I mean, so so like we talked about before, and I don't know how much we want to go into, what, but I mean, particularly with Providence, I, I guess. Uh, so... We, we harp, I guess, not really harp, that's not a bad word, but we've talked a lot about how, you know, the ordinary is, is important. Yeah. Uh, and I think another aspect of that, too, though, is we, we do still, uh, with our partnerships, try to facilitate uh, outreach opportunities as well. Mm. Um, and so, and like we said, I, I think, and I would argue that the, the ordinary, everyday uh, things of life, like like being with your neighbors, etc., are, are probably the most important uh, way that we can both uh, live the gospel out as a witness and also proclaim the gospel as a witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, we, we try to meet needs in our community. We just did yeah. uh, Boxes of Love. We partnered with Higher Expectations Church. Bryant Lee is one of our partnerships. We'll get into maybe another podcast. Um, and, and basically, we... Uh, helped pitch in money we showed up there we packed all these thanksgiving meals and then we actually went to uh, families in our area that are in need and were able to hand those out and able to share the gospel uh, with them pray with them uh, and just love on them during a rough time uh, and so we try to get involved with those things as well um, to to kind of make the gospel unhonorable in that way what i love about that event is that it wasn't just meeting a physical need but the, the, the crux of that was sharing the gospel in somebody yeah. else's home. So that's, yes, that's awesome. I think it's I think it's both and. I think a common misconception about evangelism in general, right, is you got the one one camp that says, oh, we just got to preach. These come, people just 
invite people to church, we'll preach and, and they'll get right. saved and that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. And then the other end is, um, well, I, I'm maybe too timid to share the gospel or whatever, so I'll just, uh, I won't say anything and they'll just see how awesome I, I am or whatever and and that will convert them. And I think it's a combination of both. I think we, we um, should not be shy from proclaiming the truth that's changed our life, but at the same time, you know, uh, it, we want it to come from a, a witness, right, that is actually living what they're talking about too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I also think that, you know, home groups really do serve as a purpose, a, a big part of that, making the gospel unignorable. And I would dare, I would dare say in our, um, you know, if you, if you want to talk about two areas of our church, like in gathered and scattered, scattered forms where we have gathered ministries, like on Sunday morning, uh, and you have scattered like home groups, uh, the primary way that we make the gospel unignorable in our city is through that. And so home groups are not just Bible studies. Uh, even though Bible study does take place, prayer does take place, the hope is that it would also be a welcoming place for those uh, that are in the community around you. So, like, for example, just a tangible example is we have several home groups that uh, frequently have front yard barbecues. Yeah. Where they uh, basically, instead of just being inside of the doors and walls of the house, they will have dinner outside in their front yard and welcome their neighbors. And uh, I can personally say that whenever I led a home group, um, multiple multiple times that we had that, uh, there were neighbors that were across the street that just they just saw us outside and walked over and shared a meal with us. Yeah, and sometimes I think what happens there is there is a cynical part of us that says, "Oh, so we had a barbecue and, and you know two people came over to I, that's making the gospel unignorable." <laughs> and, I, and I just want to mention, you know, what that does is it, it diminishes the sacredness of human beings. Mm-hmm. It diminishes the the truth that God does a lot of things uh, small, slow, and uh, non-famously. Mm-hmm. And it says that in order for something to be godly, in order for something to be impactful, it has to be big. It has to be known. And a lot of that, I would just challenge someone to say, how much of that is cultural? You know, how much of that is because we live in a social media generation. It's like in order for it to be impactful, it has to be on Instagram or Instagrammable. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's harder to do that. Right. And what am I going right. to do? Take a picture of you, you know, tying his neighbor. Say, look at what we did, you know, because then that's odd. But I can definitely take a picture of you fill in the blank. And then I know that I was making the gospel ignorable. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that that eliminates that. There's a couple others, though. I mean, I think uh, one that's very personal and intimate for my wife and I is Providence Orphan Care. Mm -hmm. What Leah Elder has done alongside uh, just a a team. And I don't even want to try to mention all the gals that are on that team because I'll miss one and and I'll, you know, do disservice to them. But a lot of gals on that team have done a fantastic job uh, doing the Orphan Care Banquet every year, raising funds. You know, the funds that were raised from the Orphan Care Banquet were something that helped bring my son Jonas home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will by God's grace, be something that helps bring Jane home. Right. Um, and not only that, but the work that they do with other organizations for foster care children. And uh, that's just kind of something that, that happened in our church. It's not like we went out and sought that. Uh, we, we didn't we didn't plant Providence and say, hey, we're going to be a church that's about adoption. We just said we're going to be a church that's about the gospel. And then all of a sudden, we had a church that had a lot of adopted families. And yeah. Providence Orphan Care has been a, just a fantastic way to to be a tangible expression of the gospel um, to to families and to kids and um, just all around and even internationally. Yep. <laughs> so right. that, that, that's that been uh, a great, one great way. 
that we've been able to make the gospel and normal. And there's other partnerships too. I mean, uh, Morgan South Atari. Africa. Yeah. 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 Going to South Africa with Pastor Fuller. We sent teams there. Mm-hmm. Um, Morgan and Kari were just there for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that they, they did there was amazing. You know, just, just a lot of things like that. Yeah. Uh, both locally and internationally. Um, but I would say, like Ty said, our mainstay is just the everyday, ordinary living in community together. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to like be too simplistic, but I mean, we really genuinely run everything that we do through this filter. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a single ministry inside of Providence that exists apart from making the gospel and ignorable in our city. And there's tons of stuff like in home groups even that happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Brendan, your dad's home group, what do they do every year with the Maritime? Oh yeah, they they give Christmas boxes. They pack Christmas boxes that are gifted to uh, seafarers who essentially live on the sea. It's like, just things like that, just incredible things that we hear. We don't even know. Yeah, that yeah. are happening in our home groups all the time. Uh, collections are taken up in our home groups for yeah. people that show up, and uh, benevolence is run through our home group leaders, where yes. some of our funds. They actually go into our general fund, are able to be funded out into single moms and widows. And yep. um, so, just a lot of really cool things that happen through home groups. Yep. Yeah. So, that leads us to our, our final question. And, and I'll, I'll continue that train of thought. The question is what are some things that we personally are doing uh, in our lives, in our homes, to make the gospel unignorable in our city? And you talked about uh, just kind of reaching out to the community and things like that. Uh, my home group mm-hmm. actually had the, the opportunity last Christmas. We didn't get to, well, it's not Christmas yet, but uh, last Christmas uh, I was able to reach out to a friend at the local elementary school in Atascacita Forest. Uh, I think she's a first grade teacher. I could totally be wrong. But nonetheless, we went to high school together, and I reached out to her. I said, is there anything you need from for, for Christmas for your classroom? And uh, I think she, she honestly just threw a shot in the dark to see uh, what she could get here, which was which I'm glad she did. But she said, hey, I, every Christmas I give all 20 plus of my students a gift out of my mm-hmm. own money. And so um, this year she wanted to buy a particular uh, kids fiction book. We were able to supply every book for her and the ladies in our home group wrapped the presents for them. We delivered it to the school and she gave it to the kids. We got to see a video of of the kids uh, enjoying their opening their presents and um, it really began to foster a relationship that I hope my personal hope for every home group is that they would they would partner with some teacher from one of the local schools mm-hmm. and, and I would hope that at some point in our in our existence we have two three four home groups per neighborhood mm-hmm. so that we have a partnership with one teacher at an elementary school one at a middle school one at a high school yeah. for every neighborhood yeah. and yeah. we can just essentially take these uh, and serve these teachers serve these schools uh, and, and help to make the gospel unignorable in that avenue but I'd, I'd love to hear what, what y'all are doing maybe in your family lives or at work whatever the case may be yeah I know for uh, for me and, and this isn't perfect um, just because there's oftentimes meetings I have to go to but uh, what I try to do on on Wednesdays, and Brendan, you've even joined me on on doing this, but uh, we uh, we don't work at the church. Yep. Uh, we'll go offsite, and uh, we try to st- keep that consistent. Uh, so that's either you know the Starbucks across the street from the church or Panera down the road. But the the hope and idea is that slowly over time you would build relationships with the people that work there. You see them on the same day, the same time, in the same place, and eventually. Um, as the relationship is built, it leads to gospel conversations, and uh, so so that's that's one 
like small practical way. And I, I mentioned some of the things that we do with our children too. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, with children, one thing that my wife and I are, are doing this year. So we do like a advent calendar every year where you kind of get like a nice sm- little knickknack or something, you know, kind of leading yeah, up each day to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like definitely the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that way you kind of, you, you get the kids expecting, you know, uh, you know, trying to, really understand the heart of Advent, right? Expecting Jesus and, and wanting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the gifts we had this year is basically to go play bingo at a, a nursing home that's in Kingwood. And that's this cool. is one that as a home, home home group prior, you know, we had, we had partnered with them. And so uh, basically one of their gifts will be actually to be giving, right? To go call bingo uh, with uh, some old ladies. Which nice. is a, a really fun <laughs> time. It's, it's mostly awesome. old ladies that play bingo. This wasn't uh, anything, but and it was really cool because, you know, it's really an underserved uh you know, people in our community, uh, mm-hmm. largely ignored in a, some random building that we never drive by. Right. And so it's a, it's kind of a little way to not only, you know, train your kids to, uh, meet others needs as opposed to always expecting a gift for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so create some generosity there, but also for a way that's like a, a lar- a place that's being largely ignored to bring, try to bring the gospel there and have gospel conversations there yep. uh, while calling bingo for the name of Jesus. So that's really good. Yeah. I like that bingo for Christ. Yes. <laughs> it's a new ministry we started. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Simple. That's a new partner. Yeah, that was right. an important thing to say yes to. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, so I'll tell like one of my failures and then I'll brag on my wife. Like, uh, I tried to do this and, and I'm, I'm still going to do it, but ended up failing, which that's was good, a good sign confession. up for the, uh, find out uh, i signed up for like what's called the watchdog program at my son's school which is where the dads are supposed to be like volunteer security guards yep did the background check showed up early and total fail it was supposed to be like the bring your bring your child with you Mm. so i was like the creepy dad that didn't have his kids so i just kind (laughs) of like ghosted on that because i was like i'm not gonna go in there without my kid they all have their kids and like what's this guy trying to do security for the school without a child um but anyway yeah so i'm gonna do that which is just like Really, the heart is how can we volunteer at the school right. and be generous? Yep. Like just ultimately, out of the outflow of God's generosity to us in Christ, how can I be generous to this school and our teachers and all of those who serve my own child, and then also all the other kids? Right. Um, but my wife actually joined uh, the Education Foundation in our town, and she serves on the board there. And mm-hmm. really, the whole purpose for that is how can she give back? And just be an influence. So mm-hmm. she's kind of a champ and does better than I do. <laughs> but there's a lot of people in our church that do this kind of stuff. I'm just thinking of like the, you know, the Marla Wartmans of our church, you know, that do things like they're out for helping with flood recovery, stuff like that. They just are in yeah. the community. That's not like even sanctioned by yeah. by Providence. They just do yeah. that stuff because it's an outflow of who they are. Yeah. Um, I've heard of people in our church that opened their house to, uh, to you know, women who are in bad situations. Mm-hmm. And they live with them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or it just it's just kind of regular. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like kind of ill-equipped. We probably should have others on the podcast to do better than me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I I remember there was a there's one guy in our church, Brad Lee's, who like just neighbors going through tough times, and him and Courtney taking them out to dinner. Yeah. And just loving on them. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I could, that's exactly right. I could name people. It's just incredible. But it's it, but really, what it is is like. Believing that God is intentionally at work in your everyday life. Yes. it's mm. good. Well, it's our hope and our prayer that these provcasts are beneficial to you. Um, the hope is to provide supplemental content for you as we go through our sermon series, just hitting on some things that we missed that we didn't get to get to, as well as some extra fun things. And so for today's episode, we hope that you're reminded of the vision of the church, 
Uh, you remember it as we make all the decisions together as a church family and as we have new initiatives or, or programs or anything like that. Or if you're going through multiplications, that you're remembering that the mission is to make the gospel unignorable in our city. Uh, and so we hope that you've had a great day. You've enjoyed this time. Uh, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go now and share the love of God. It's been shown to you. Love God. Love people. We'll see you next month.